Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, if you're listening to this program, you're listening to it on KTNARadio.com. And if you haven't, if you've missed some of our programs, uh, you can check out our library at keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. Uh, we have over 80 interviews there with the likes of Rick Mount, Kent Benson, uh, uh, you name it, with Indiana high school basketball or anything, anything that's associated with the game of basketball in Indiana. Uh, you can check uh, out all the shows in our library there. Um, my guest today uh, is a two-time NCAA champion with the UCLA Bruins, a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. A uh, 2007 state championship high school basketball coach with East, East Chicago Central. And I'm talking with Pete Turgovich. Pete, coach, thanks so much for spending some time with us on uh, keeping the nostalgia alive and helping to keep those memories of Indiana high school basketball and beyond uh, alive. Well, thanks for having me, Billy. Uh, coach, what was the what is your first recollection of who introduced you to the game of basketball or when did you first pick up that basketball? Oh, that's easy. Uh, 1960, uh, my father and my uncles would take me to the East Chicago-Washington Senators basketball games that, that season, and that happened to be the season that uh, they won uh, their first uh, state championship in 1960 with Ron Diviak and Bobby Cantrell and Phil Dawkins and a bunch of those guys. It, 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 so did, you went to those games. Did, was there, did you have a favorite player in Indiana high school basketball? Did you have a favorite college team that you followed at a young age? No, I was seven years old, and that was my introduction to basketball, and it was so exciting. Uh, uh, we used to like listen to the games on the radio when they were on the road, and I'd make my own uh, score sheets, and I'd sit there and I'd keep score, you know, on the radio. It was it was just a, a, a really great introduction to basketball in my life. Obviously, winning the whole state championship that was that was real special. 
When you would go to the home games then, what was the atmosphere like uh, at East East Chicago, Washington? You know, it was just unbelievable. Just when you walked in and, you know, just the smell of the popcorn and just... The uh, when when the when the Washington cheering section sang "Hail Noble Washington," it just gave you chills. And you know, from that day on, and 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 I got to tell you, you know, Coach Barado was just a a, a a figure that was uh, bigger than life. And you know, everybody wanted to go play for Coach Barado. What was the seating capacity of that gymnasium? It says six two two two, but I know they get a lot more in there at at times, or they did at that time. You know, we, you didn't have AAU back then. Take us kind of a, I mean, did you just play locally in the neighborhood, or how did you? Uh, how did your game evolve before you got to uh, uh, East Chicago, Washington, uh, as a freshman? You know, I came from a, a, a little area of East Chicago that uh, went to a parochial school called Holy Trinity Croatian, and uh, uh, I just we had a we didn't even have an inside gym. We had an outside gym. I think we had practice. Uh, once a week at, at Kerry Gosh, but uh, we actually practiced outside, and I just fell in love with the sport. And I know I just I, I drove I, I drove people crazy dribbling my basketball. And uh, I'll never forget one one hot, very hot summer day. Um, I was playing basketball, and, and uh, uh, Monsignor Bogovich came home, and it was ninety some degrees. I was the only one out there, and Monsignor said, "Well, Pete, it looks like you're the only you have the whole court to yourself today." And I said, yes, Father, it looks like I do. And he said, nobody else is dumb enough to be out here in this heat. And I, I think that said it all. <laughs> what, what kind of uh, – did you have instant success as you, um, you know, got to high school in basketball? And was basketball the only sport that you played? No, I, I – well, actually, you know, I didn't play sports at a young age because there wasn't AAU, and I didn't get involved with Little League until – I was 11 years old when a lot of kids started uh, little league when they were nine. But I, I did. I played baseball and became a pretty good pitcher. Um, uh, and it, again, in my um, parochial school, we had one team. And uh, if you were a sixth grader and made the, it was a one through eight grade. And if you were a sixth grader and made the team, which I did, myself and another uh, uh, player named John Domas, that you were, you know, obviously uh, pretty good. But I didn't grow till later in life, so I was. Uh, a pretty small kid at that time. Uh, I'll never forget. Uh, we used to play our CYO games every Sunday, and one day the the gym started buzzing, and uh, here there was uh, Coach uh, Barado and Bobby Cantrell, who was the freshman coach at that time, walked into the gym, and you know you never saw him there, and and uh, we all assumed that he was there to see my buddy John Domizic because he was the best player in CYO. And so I felt no pressure. It was just a, a, an awesome thing. But then uh, uh, Coach Barado and uh, uh, Bobby Cantrell showed up at my house to talk to me about attending uh, uh, East Chicago, Washington. And uh, what happened was they had, you know, seen uh, that my dad and my mom were tall, and they saw the the length of my arms and legs and knew I was going to grow. Where uh, uh, John uh, uh, was probably maxed out at that time at, in eighth grade. So. Uh, that's how it all got started with me wanting to go to Washington. And, and what was your freshman year like? Did you have, you know, did you start your freshman year? On the freshman team, I started. Okay. Yeah, I, I played freshman uh, as a freshman, and I, I started, and I played JV as a sophomore, and I started some of the time. They they would let me dress varsity uh, um, uh, occasionally, I think halfway through the season, I was uh, you know one of those guys that just dressed varsity and sat on the bench after the B team game. 
how competitive was it to get a spot on the varsity team? Oh, it, it, the talent that we had was was uh, uh, just unbelievable because you know we had Ruben Bailey and Darnell Adell who were varsity and Tim Stoddard who were varsity players as freshmen. So you know they have you know their spots, and then uh, you know Junior Bridgman and I we we came along later because we were you know we matured physically a little bit later than those guys. And how does that how does that uh, compare to uh, what you look for today as a high school basketball coach? Is it, do you do you kind of see where the coaches were coming from when you were a freshman? Now that you're coaching yourself. Well, you know, obviously you know, we're looking down at kids and, and on the lower levels and we see, you know, like in my mind I see this one kid and I, I look at how tall his mother is and I look at the length of his arms and legs and I know he's going to be a tall kid and obviously we try to look at uh, a, a student athlete like that and uh, try to you know, watch him and watch his progression. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, that's only a part of it. You know, a big part of it has to be the desire too to want to be good. Did you ever foresee in, in your sophomore year how good you guys were going to be and, and that great state championship season that you guys had? Well, you know, I, I, me personally, I, you know, I was just trying to make the varsity. Uh, uh, I didn't, you know, foresee anything like, like that. Uh, then I made a big step between my sophomore year and my junior year. And uh, uh, what really set us uh, – uh, to having that goal was the 1970 Ishikar Roosevelt team that won that defeat and won 28 games. And uh, then, you know, that was definitely going to be a difficult act to follow. But I think that's the, you know, after we lost to them in the sectional, we, we kind of, you know, Tim Stoddard had a little team meeting and uh, uh, didn't mince words with uh, what was going to happen the next year. And uh, uh, it turned out really great for us. Can you take us through that state championship year? It just flew by. <laughs> it, 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 it flew by. It was just uh, an amazing time. Uh, we started out, uh, you know, I can tell you this. Our first five games, we had five different leading scorers. Every one of the starters were leading scorers. And I, I, I just think that set the whole tone that, you know, you're going to stop one, you're going to stop two, but you won't stop five of us. And uh, I really think that uh, that had something to uh, uh, do with the whole situation. But uh, uh, we had... Uh, the region was a really, really uh, good basketball area in that time. When you look back and you think about just the whole 60s, uh, Washington won it in 60. Uh, Washington was runner-up in 62. Uh, in 66, uh, Washington made it to the Final Four. Michigan City won it. Uh, uh, Gary Tolleston in 60. Well, Gary Roosevelt won in 68. Tolleston was runners-up to that great Indianapolis-Washington team with George McGinnis and Steve Downing. And then Roosevelt came, and then here we came in, in that, that issue in, in that next uh, uh, season. But we also had, which I think maybe was one of the greatest teams, maybe the second greatest team never to win the state championship was Gary Westside in 1971, where we had to beat them twice in, a period, in like a two-week period, a uh, uh, two- or three-week period just to get downstate. Do you feel like that northern part of the state, Gary, Michigan City, all that area, would have a lot more state championships if you guys weren't in the area that you are because you got you guys kind of beat up each other. You know, uh, you know that's I, I, you know I don't like to go there with that. I, I'll tell you why because because a lot of people try to go there with UCLA and say, well, you know, coming out of the West was always easier, you know. But we still, you know, we still ended up winning the championship. So 
you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I don't like to go there with, with that. You know, the best team is going to win the state championship. Uh, so, uh, so when you, once you got to the final four, uh, did you take it in a little bit more? Do you, do you remember the smells of Hinkle? Tell us a little bit about Hinkle in the final four. You know, I remember sitting there at, um, uh, at, at breakfast, the, the day of the final four. And, you know, back then we hadn't played two games in one day. And we were eating breakfast, and they had the paper. And I remember a teammate looking at, they had listed all the records uh, in, in the paper. And uh, somebody hit me and said, you know, the person next to me, the teammate said, uh, God, wouldn't it be nice to be in this record book? And I looked at it, yeah, right, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, I, I never thought, I never dreamed that, you know, I would have that type of a, a, a final four and, and end up, actually, I, I ended up, I think, fourth on the on the all time sweet 16 scoring list and uh i was one i was one spot i, I like i like replaced like oscar robertson and it's like you know i mean i i think i felt like the only analogy i could have is probably how roger maris felt when he had a 61st home run you know you're not supposed to pass up babe ruth and pete turvis is not supposed to pass up oscar robertson at what point in your high school career did you get on the radar? And do you remember the a couple of the first uh, college teams that uh, were after you or your first couple of letters that you got? Absolutely. I remember the first letter I got was as a junior. I got it from West Point. And, you know, I didn't know whether I'd get another offer or not. But but the first uh, uh, basketball program that, that got on to me was Kansas. And uh, it was funny because – they got on to me uh, and hoped that that I wouldn't explode as far as my ability uh, till a year later. They didn't want to have the competition of of the recruitment, and uh, but they were the first major basketball program uh, uh, to get on me, and 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 because they had mentioned it to me once before after my senior year when they were still recruiting me. Uh, uh, that you know, we were hoping you didn't have this type of a season because we knew the potential there. Uh, so. Um, yeah, yeah, I would have to have been Kansas. Um, what jersey would have been the closest that you would have worn besides the UCLA jersey? Uh, Notre Dame. I, I, I wanted to. I, I narrowed it down to four schools, and it was Kansas, North Carolina State, uh, Notre Dame, and and UCLA. Uh, I wanted to go to Notre Dame because it was so close to home, and also uh, uh, I was a Catholic, uh, and uh, and uh, also. Um, I was a big Austin Carr fan. I thought Austin Carr was the greatest thing on earth, and I wanted to follow him. But uh, on my visit, my official visit, just literally five, maybe ten minutes before I showed up on campus, Johnny D had resigned, and uh, um, Digger Phelps got the job. It had had Gene Sullivan, who was uh, uh, Johnny D's assistant at the time, gotten the job. I still would have went to Notre Dame, but uh, Digger Phelps got the job, and uh, basically he didn't want me. Can you tell us a little bit about your UCLA recruitment? Well, um, uh, I, I was shocked when when I, I heard from UCLA. You got to remember, back then we didn't have ESPN and all that other stuff, and uh, uh, so you saw very few basketball games on TV, except for you know every Saturday I'd sit there and wait for the Big Ten game of the week, and um, uh, so the team that was most publicized that you saw the most was, was UCLA because they were winning all those championships. So when they came and, uh, uh, started recruiting me, I was kind of, you know, like, like shocked because I mean, I went from, I, there, there was a game, uh, my junior year where I didn't get off the bench because 
you know, the coach, it was coach's decision, you know, didn't put me in. Then I would jump from not playing in a game my junior year to, you know, I'm getting recruited by UCLA, my, you know, less than, you know, 12 months later. I, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable that, that they came. When did you make your commitment to UCLA? Well, it wasn't until uh, late, uh, God, it had to be like uh, April or May, uh, right, right around there. I can't remember exactly, but uh, when Notre Dame, you know, was out of the picture, then it was the the running for, you know, with the three was in there, and uh, um, it was it was a very, very difficult decision. Uh, I think I think on a, um, an individual level, I, I I I picked the wrong school. I, I think I should have uh, uh, probably went to Kansas. Uh, looking back now, but uh, you know I still got two rings, uh, two <laughs> national championships. So don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> so uh, tell us about when you became an Indiana All Star and a little bit about your uh, Indiana All Star experience and how you enjoyed it. Well, you know it was it was. Uh, um, Obviously, a, a great honor, a tremendous honor, and the, the funny, you know, I, it was ironic uh, because the year before that, you know, Jim Bradley made the All Star team uh, from Ishikawa Roseland, and up here in the region, we were just so upset that he didn't get Mister Basketball. I mean, it was it was ridiculous that that he didn't. Uh, and here he pushed his team to a twenty eight no undefeated state championship, and then I turn around the next year. And they, um, we win 29, go 29, I'll win the state championship. And I'm in the right for Mr. Basketball. I had no clue, you know, that, uh, you know, again about that. And, and, and then people up here were upset because Mike Flynn got it. And first it was Jim Bradley. Then it was me. And I said, no, 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 wait a minute. Hold on a second. I'm not Jim Bradley guys. And Mike Flynn's a really good player. So don't, don't feel bad. I'm just honored to be on this, 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 uh, all-star team, uh, uh, the Mr. Basketball thing. I got my state championship. I don't need that Mr. Basketball thing. And, and again, uh, you couldn't go wrong with a pick like Mike Flynn. I mean, he went, when he went to Kentucky, had a tremendous career. Um, uh, the only, the only negative thing that I had with, uh, the Indiana All-Stars was I was also, um, uh, participating on the baseball team and we had won, uh, the regionals, uh, and, and we're getting ready to play in the semi-state. And I was forced to make a decision whether to, uh, show up uh, and play for the NL All Stars, which was like a dream come true, or 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 giving that up or letting that go and uh, uh, to pay, play baseball uh, you know, and one more time for for my high school team, and it was a very difficult decision for a 17 year old. You know, being one of the, the the few teams that go undefeated and and win a uh, Indiana high school basketball state championship, what are your? Do you remember your memories, or did you kind of stop a second and take it in after you guys had won that state championship game? And can you share those memories? Well, you know, I, I remember after the state championship game, uh, just uh, being a little depressed that it was over. You know, it was one of those seasons that you just didn't want to ever end. And it just seemed to fly by. And, you know, when we, when we accomplished our goal, you know, it was almost like you felt like, like your, 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 your life was complete at that time. You know, again, we're talking about a 17 year old kids that, that this was their dream for 10 years. You know, like I say, when I was seven years old, I went to my first basketball game and, and, uh, um, uh, I, I just, I just remember being like, I can't believe it's over, you know, you know, one of those things. And then, you know, you looked at, you know, in that locker room was the last time, you know, you guys were ever going to be together, you know, looking back now, I remember there was a few teams that, uh, colleges that offered all five starters 
a uh, scholarship. And um, uh, I just thought to myself, well, wait a minute, wait, you know, we, you know, we don't really have a real, you know, big guy. I mean, Tim Stoddard was our big man, but you know, I, how could we compete on that level? Well, looking now, knowing now, what you know, if I knew that then. I really believe that if we all would have went to college together, we would have been a Final Four team. Was there one particular game during that undefeated season where it it may have not been an undefeated season? Oh, absolutely. There was a couple games. Early in the season, it was maybe our – I can't remember what game it was, uh, uh, what, what number game it was, but we played Garrett Roosevelt, and we were down by uh, – uh, going into the last couple minutes of the game, I think – we were down by one, or and and uh, or I, I forget how many we were down by, but I I scored. I, they held me down pretty well, but I scored like the eight last eight points of the game, and we ended up winning, kind of going away. But it wasn't like that. And then and then when we had to go into Gary Westside and beat them twice, we played them one of the last games of the season, and then we had to meet them for the regional championship. We beat them by five points, and we beat them by uh, three points. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember which one was which. But each one of those games went down to the wire, especially the the regional game. In fact, I remember the regional game. We were up by one, and uh, they had missed a shot, and we came down, and uh, I got the ball on the left corner, and it was a, just a, a, an incredibly ignorant shot that I took because there was no need to shoot the ball. And I shot it from the corner, and uh, it bottomed out. And uh, But looking back, you know, I was the hero, but I could have very well been the goat had that shot not gone in and Gary Westside had gone down and scored. Was there a particular place that you, besides your home gym, that you really enjoyed playing and, and, and really liked the feel of the rim or you just played uh, specifically well? Oh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. <laughs> no, but uh, you're talking about a local gym? There, uh, there, well, well, I really like the Civic Center uh, and, and Hammond. I really, really like that gym. Uh, a gym that we really had a great game was in, was not a big game, not a big gym, but was when we played Michigan City Elston, and uh, that was the night I held Rick Whitlow to 36 points. Uh, at 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 uh, halftime, the score was 56 to 51. We were up by five at halftime. We ended up winning 110 to 89, but it was closer than that. That was, that was just a tremendous uh, game, and obviously because of that game, that 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 venue probably you know. But the the main thing, the main gym that I enjoyed for the nostalgia for uh, you know just what it's known for was when you went to play at Anderson and and you played in the wigwam and they put on the great show. And I'll never forget, uh, we stayed on the court to watch the show where most teams go in the locker room and don't watch the show because they thought it was intimidating, but it was just, it was just a tremendous show. So when I got my first coaching job um, uh, high school at Andrean High School, uh, I made sure I wanted, and my son played for me, I wanted my son to experience that. So we went into Anderson, and we stayed on the court, and um, it was funny because they still had the scorekeepers from when I played and, and the little, and, and it was funny cause they said to me, they go, how many points did you have in the third quarter against, against us? And I said, 20, they go, no, 21. And we'll go get the scorebook and prove it. And, uh, I left the kids on the court and we enjoyed the show and applauded for them. And they told me, they said that I'm the only team that ever kept the guys on the court that everybody went inside. Well, I thought if you were in the locker room with you, you were in the locker room, uh, 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 
uh, if you had something that's my drum, sorry. If you were in the locker room and you heard those Tom Tom drums banging, I think that would be more intimidating than if you're out there actually seeing the show. But anyway, anyway, I, I, you know, you gotta, you know, give the nod to uh, uh, the wig one. And, and you, you, you said Hinkle, the Hinkle floor. What did you feel the Hinkle floor gave you? And did you feel like it gave you a little bit more uh, vertical or a little bit more on your jump? Absolutely, absolutely, it it gave, and it was there was no doubt about it. Uh, we were so fortunate to be the last team to win the state championship in that gym. And actually, I scored the last basket in the state championship at, at, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. But it was, it was one of those gym floors that, that gave a little bit, so you got a little more spring. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't know if it's still like that. But I remember when I was an assistant coach at Loyola uh, University, we used to go and uh, play against Butler, and uh, uh, we would run practice the day before. And... I used to run a drill where I would shoot the ball and 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 miss and and uh, then we'd run a fast break or whatever and and I refused to shoot in that gym and everybody was saying hey why don't you shoot I said last shot I took in this gym I made I'm not shooting ever again. <laughs> Drop the mic, sort of say right. Yep. Yeah. Um. So you 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 you've, you've headed out to Los Angeles. You're at UCLA. Uh, you're getting ready to play freshman ball. Was there? Uh, were you nervous when you got out there? Were you a little bit homesick? Was there ever a time you're like, "Oh my gosh, I made the wrong decision"? Coach Wooden uh, didn't like recruiting outside of the state of California because of that specific reason. That you know, you had all those other things of uh, you know being on your own for the first time, and you know you're you're uh, uh, going to experience new things, and then to add the homesickness thing was something that coach wouldn't so what he did was um he uh uh he made sure that if you were interested coming from out of of course I'm not talking about somebody like Lou Alcinder, you know, I'm talking about a, an an average player like myself. If you were coming from out of state, he wanted you to make that first contact so that he would know that you were uh uh interested and so I, I you know you can't come back and say well you know i'm homesick coach i want to go you know well you knew this when you wanted to come here well i didn't know this but i just found out i read a book recently and uh um coach cunningham gary cunningham who was the assistant coach there uh he he made the statement in there that he had wrote a letter to coach wooden about my interest in wanting to come there and sign my name and i had i had no idea that that had happened uh um, John Barato had been involved and he, he was friends with coach Wynn from the older days in Southern Indiana, I guess their, their acquaintances. And he said, Hey, there's a kid here in East Chicago that, you know, he might be able to help you. And that's when Danny Crum came to see me play and the recruiting thing started. But I never sent that letter and coach Cunningham, uh, who was an honest man said, yeah, yeah, he's an honest man forging my signature. <laughs> but, but anyway, he said, you know, in the book, he said that, yeah, I, I wrote a letter and, and forged his signature and said, Hey, this, we got this kid that's interested. So, uh, it was, it was, it was really hard. But one of the hardest things, I mean, the homesickness thing, uh, was very difficult. If I had to do over again for that simple reason, I wouldn't have gone there. I would have stayed closer to home. But, uh, uh, what was really difficult, two things. Number one, playing basketball, walking to the gym in your shorts. That, that was a hard thing because I'm, I'm used to basketball being cold weather sport. And, but, but the most difficult thing was after the excitement of the Indiana High School basketball tournament and just playing high school basketball in Indiana to going to play on a freshman team that there was no postseason tournament. It was just you look at a schedule and, you know, we got 20 games and we're just going to play them and that's it. You know, you know what I mean? 
that that was real difficult because I was the last year that freshmen weren't eligible to play varsity. We had a freshman program, so so I almost you know again it was a, a almost a wasted year as far as basketball was concerned, but a a very you know important year for me as far as my maturity level. Uh, Coach, did you get any grief, or did anybody give you a hard time for going to UCLA and you know not staying inside the state of Indiana? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Everybody was, you know, talking. I, uh, uh, not everybody. I mean, there were certain people that you know would say, "Well, you know, why aren't you? You know, once you leave here, you're not a Hoosier anymore. You're, you know, Californian and everything." But I got to tell you a funny story. Uh, you know, you know, my my high school coach passed away. You know, Coach Bolodet. Right. And and I was at uh, um, I went to the wake, obviously, and. And I walked in the back where I saw a couple of the older guys, acquaintances of uh, Coach Molodet, uh, and his brother was there, the brother who was a, a star athlete at, at, and star basketball player at North Carolina State, right? So I went back there, and I said hi to everybody, shook everybody's hand, and Coach Molodet's brother said, the first thing he said to me was, you should have went to state, and meaning North Carolina State. And uh, I kind of looked at him, and I said, you know, maybe you're right. So that, that ended all the argument. All the discussion. He had nothing to argue about then. Uh, 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 I, I admitted that you know you could be right. You know, I, I might have made a mistake, but anyway, uh, yeah, there was uh, there was some friction, and um, you know, but at a, at that time, you don't think about things like that. You're only 17 years old, and you know your brain is not developed, and you know you, you want instant gratification. And UCLA was winning all the the championships, but again, you know, like I say, I I, I really wanted to go to Notre Dame. And, you know, it's interesting, too. I, I would imagine that once you guys cut down the nets for the 2007, uh, uh, you know, championship, you know, you, it was probably, you know, I, I never left. Oh, you know, uh, uh, I, I felt that way for a long time. I, I've chosen to come back to this area to live because I miss my family. Awesome. And uh, uh, that's the reason. And, and it's funny because there's so many people over the years that say, how can you come back to, you know, the region uh, after living in Los Angeles, California and stuff? And my story has always stayed the same. I missed my family. And, you know, I, I, on my Friday nights, I, I go over there and I hang out with my dad. He's 89 years old now. My mom's 85. They're both uh, uh, in, 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 in good health, not only physically, but mentally. So, I think I made a good decision years ago coming back here. Very nice. Uh, such an offensive output your freshman year. Can you tell us a, a, about being on the freshman team and, and and what kind of crowds did you guys play for? And was it was it what you thought it was going to be? Uh, I, I had not experienced. I hadn't. Well, you know what. I take it back. You know, if you go to some high school games in in California, you know they've got the small gyms. There's so much other stuff to do. You know, you know, volleyball, surfing, whatever in Southern California. That it's not a a big thing where you pack the gyms. When I told the guys how many people we used to get at our home games, they they just couldn't believe it. There, or you know, or even at the state tournament, how huge that was. Uh, but I wasn't uh, at UCLA. Things were different. Uh, the kids. Um, uh, used to line up around the gym, Poly Pavilion, and because the student section was first come, first serve seats. So as soon as they opened up the gate, the doors, the students would run down the stairs and then run to the uh, bleachers and just jump and just let, you know slide over the bleachers to get their seats. And it was really cool. So we played at home uh, in front of 
are packed student bodies. So we did have have a good attendance uh, that freshman year. I would never forget uh, my third game. I had 47, uh, and the record was like 51. And coach, uh, 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 the freshman coach, uh, uh, took me out with um, with. Uh, uh, Seven minutes to go, and the fans started booing. And I thought they were, I thought they were booing me. And then, and then Andre McCarter, he he says to me, he goes, he goes, hey, you got, you did four points to tie the record, five to break the freshman record. So I thought, you know, they're going to pull me back in to break the record in about five minutes. You know, let me see, I'll get a standing ovation. I'm going to break the record, get a standing ovation. You know, and all this good stuff. So five minutes came. I'm looking down the bench and. Nobody's calling my name. Then I, I thought oh, he's waiting for four minutes. Then four minutes comes, nobody's calling my name. Then three minutes, then I'm thinking, you know, this guy thinks I can score at will. You know, he's not giving me much time. So uh, I just sat there till the end of the uh, the game, and um, fans started booing the coach. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, and anyway, anyway, uh, um, uh, they the coaches approached me after the game, and they said, and they said. Uh, uh, you know, we don't break records here at UCLA just to break them. The game was well in hand. We didn't need you in the game, and that's why we didn't let you break the record. And I, I was cool with that. I, I didn't care because I, you know, you know, I, I, I thought I'd break the record eventually anyway. So there was a, it was a Friday Saturday thing. So we're walking to the gym to get ready, and the students are lined up around Paul's Pavilion. And as I'm walking, they just call me Chicago, you know, and 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 they go, hey Chicago, they they go, uh, uh, um. When are you going to break the record? When are you going to break the record? I said, tonight, uh, I ended up with 13. <laughs> <laughs> was there a particular person that once you got to UCLA that you kind of bonded with and, 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 and you know, uh, you guys were good friends for the time you were at UCLA? You know, I, when I got off the plane, I was scared. I, I, I had never been – the first time I was ever on an airplane, first time I was ever away from home, was when I visited Kansas. The second time was when I visited North Carolina State. This was exactly the fifth time I had ever been on an airplane, and I was going, moving all my stuff. And I came off, I had two, two pieces of luggage, and I remember Coach Cunningham saying, is that all you got? And I said, oh, boy, I messed up already. But there was a kid there standing there with Coach Arnold and Coach Cunningham. Coach Arnold was our freshman coach. And there was a kid, and he was my roommate. And he had this biggest smile on his face. And it was like he was meeting a long-lost brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was Dave Myers. And and Dave Myers uh, was my roommate as a freshman in the dorm. And then we were roommates, um, uh, um, you know, on the basketball team whenever we traveled. And uh, that was the guy. And his family was so similar to my family. You know, he brought me home for Thanksgiving. He brought me home, you know, to his house so I can at least have some sense of a family still. And 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 uh, he passed away about two months ago. And uh, uh, we had, you know, I went out there, flew out there for the memorial and everything and stuff like that. So it's kind of a sad, sad thing for me. But it was it was definitely Dave Myers. You know, you had such an offensive freshman year. What 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 was your uh, 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 train of thought going into you know? Uh, varsity, varsity with UCLA. Well, I, you know, I went there to play the left wing position. I knew I wasn't a point guard. I was going to be a shooting guard. And uh, Henry Bibby was the shooting guard on that 1972 team. He was a senior. So uh, my goal at that time was to do what I watched Henry Bibby like a hawk. 
and I wanted to be the you know and take his spot you know, after that was up. Uh, so so that was all in all in the the process was that um, I came out to camp my sophomore year and I was so ready. I mean I always came ready, and I played really really well. And when I didn't start, uh, I was I was upset. I was immature. I didn't handle it well. Uh, I was the sixth man coming off. Of, I was playing on a team that was an undefeated national championship team, and I was a sophomore. And Coach Wooden made me the sixth man. And when you look back at that now, how ridiculous it was that I, I, I felt I was wrong. I felt I beat out the person that I, I was I was playing against, and didn't realize, you know, at the time, never nothing, you know. Again, I'm, I'm I was an immature young 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 kid. And this was a senior that, you know, needed to play, you know, I, I mean, there was nothing wrong with what I was doing and I didn't handle it really well. And I, I, I think that affected, uh, probably, uh, uh, the rest of my career, actually. I, I think, I think that, 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 you know, left with some negative and then coach Wooden didn't like a few of the things that I, I was doing as far as, you know, attitude or whatever, working hard. And then, uh, after halfway through the season, uh, I kind of went farther, farther down the end of the bench, and uh, uh, then I, I, I woke up. I matured real quick, <laughs> you know, when something like that happens, and then all of a sudden, I just started working so hard. I worked, I, I mean, I learned so much that sophomore year. I worked so hard, and then I got into a game when it kind of mattered, you know, I still played in all the games. I just didn't have the role that I did before, and I played real well. In fact, the uh, sports reporters wanted to speak with me after the game, and after I spoke with the reporters, Coach Wooden called me on the side and he said, you know, Pete, he said, you know, I know you had a good game today and stuff like that, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you're back where, you know, you were. And I said, I understand, Coach, I'm going to keep working hard. And Coach was preparing me that he had already made his mind up about his rotation for the tournament that year. And uh, I just, again, the next game came. I, I didn't have the role I, I had before that. And uh, uh, then I had a meeting with Coach, and it was right before the uh, – uh, tournament, and uh, I said, you know, Coach, I said, uh, yeah, am I going to be back in? Am I going to be back in? He was avoiding the answer, and then I kept asking him the question. I wanted him to answer, and he just shook his head no. And so uh, I was down, but I, I went back to my room, and I, 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 I was only down for a short time, and I, I said to myself, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him. And I went and I worked so hard every day in practice, even though I was told, and you know, Coach Wooden was true to his word. I never really played much in that uh, tournament my, my my sophomore year. But uh, you know, I, I, I again, I think I, I matured a lot that short period of time where I, I, I went and I, I played so hard in practice, like it was my game. You know, at what point in your college career, and maybe I, I'm just talking from ignorance, did you did you focus on being a defensive guru? You know, you know, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, Coach Wooden, uh, uh, you know, he, he gets a lot of credit for a lot of, you know, winning 10 national championships. But I came to UCLA wanting to play defense. I, you know, people have this perception that, you know, because I was such a big time scorer that I didn't play defense. So I remember one sports writer uh, called me the, the, the hardest working uh, defensive player in the state of Indiana my junior year. And I always had the tools. I was tall, I was long, and I was extremely quick. And so I always had the tools. But, um, you know, when I was a freshman, I, was play I, I, I played defense every year I was there. 
but uh, uh, obviously, you know, you get better. I, I had I had the natural God-given ability. I, I had the desire, but Coach Wooden gave me the know-how, what to do in certain situations, and I was eager to learn. So I just kept getting better and better and better. But let me tell you something. Uh, when you're at UCLA and you you got guys like Bill Walton, Jamal Wilkes, Dave Myers, Marcus Johnson, Richard Washington, all these are tremendous scorers. You you find out where you, you fit in there, and you have to separate yourself from a bunch of high school All-Americans that are sitting on the bench wanting your minutes. And the way I separated myself was being the best defender on the team. So, so you know, the coach Wooden was looking at, my value to this team and how he put the pieces together. And that was the piece that the role that I was supposed to play. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with coach Wooden. What, what, what did he mean to you? And did you keep a relationship with him uh, post UCLA? You know, uh, 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 coach Wooden was, uh, my coach, uh, uh, and he was a great coach. Uh, that was his job. I never looked at Coach Wooden. I know a lot of people talk about the life lessons that he gave us through his teachings and everything, where it, it, it never um, it never hit me like maybe these other guys, uh, because see, I I had a, I had a great father and mother at home. They 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 taught me how to live. They they taught me right from wrong. And what Coach Wooden was doing with his, uh, you know, messages was just reinforcing what my family had already, my father and my mother had already laid the groundwork down. So, so you know, a lot of, you know, I read a lot of stories about how the guy talked about how Coach taught you how to live life and all this. Well, you know, Coach taught me how to, you know, defend. You know, he taught me, you know, things like that. Whereas my parents were the ones that laid the ground. So I never had that type of relationship. I never looked at him as a, a, a father figure, grandfather figure, whatever you want to call it. I looked at him as my coach and, he, and, and a great coach. Um, after I got done playing, um, I didn't feel any um, uh, bond towards him or, you know, uh, I, I, I put my four years in, you know, I, I, I moved on with my life. And, um, not, you know, and, and, uh, I, not that I was bitter, but I didn't think that, you know, you know, you know, he did me any favor. You know what I mean? I yeah. think I, I, I earned what I got. And, um, but then, then when we used to have his birthday parties, I would always show up and I would show and, and he really, for some reason, uh, people would tell me that were the organizers saying, you know, coach wouldn't got so excited when he found out you were coming awesome. where, you know, you know, uh, and I think it was a great compliment to me and, 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 uh, you know, cause, cause coaches like that when players come back, I wasn't one of those guys that now I'm a big coach wooden supporter. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm going to defend him to the end, uh, uh, with his critics, but uh, I didn't have that thing. But as I got older and then we, we started to, you know, I had children. I brought my son to meet coach wooden, which was just a cool experience. Uh, you know, I took my son when he was, I, I got a picture, I can't even tell you how old he was, but, you know, he was used to seeing uh, the show Cribs on TV where they showed <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal's house and, you know, all that, you know. So we're going out to Los Angeles, and in my house, Coach Wooden was a bigger star than Shaquille O'Neal, you know. And and so he's looking around, and he, my son goes, you know, is, is, that, is, that, is this where Coach Wooden lives? 
And I go, yeah, why? And he goes, well, I just wonder. And I go, you thought it was going to be a big match and like you watch on those TV shows. He said, yeah, you know, and I go, well, you know, you don't have to be rich, you know, you know, to be, to be famous, you know, and, and I think it was a great lesson for my son. And then coach wouldn't just, he, he met my son and then he, we were on the side. He, he, he sent me into the, uh, um, his den where he had all the pictures and all the trophies and it was just a, you know, it's like a museum. And he says to me, coach Wynn says, you know, you're, you know, me and my son, he says, he seems like a really nice kid. And I said, yeah, you know, he is. And that was a great compliment that coach. So I think that at that time, uh, I started up more of a relationship with coach Wooden. Uh, um, it was funny because, um, the day of the state championship in 2007, I was in a hotel room and I, I called him, uh, to get some last minute advice on, you know, something like uh, what to do. And coach Wooden, he always had a recorder and, and he, he would listen to recording and if he wanted to pick up, he would. If he didn't want to talk, he wouldn't. You know, but you know, his players, he would always pick up. So you'd have to talk for a little bit. So I was talking to that coach. I'm getting ready for the state championship, and and uh, I was just wondering if I had some last minute advice for me. And uh, if you get this message, call me back. Well, I was using my son's cell phone, so I had his number. And so that next morning, Pete was on his way down, going to school driving down the expressway and his phone rang and he answered it and it was coach wooden and pete said he got so nervous he almost had to pull over because he was shaking <laughs> but he coach was out of town and got the message and called back you know and stuff like that so he got to talk to my son uh in 2007 so so uh uh again uh uh i went to all the birthday parties i went to whenever there was a reunion and stuff like that and and uh, like I say, uh, it wasn't until later that Coach and I started to have uh, more of a uh, relationship after basketball. What were your favorite memories of your two NCAA championships? Well, uh, the sophomore year wasn't many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, um, but the, the senior year, uh, you know, you know, it was it was just an unbelievable. Uh, you know, if you think about the circumstances. And here we were devastated when we lost in 74. We didn't come to lose any chance. We didn't come to lose a game at UCLA. We used to talk, Dave Myers and Andre McCarter, we came in together. We knew we weren't going to lose a game with Bill Wall and Jamal Wilkes. We just knew that. So we used to talk as sophomores that once they graduated, we had to keep up the UCLA tradition and not lose. Not meaning not lose a championship, not lose a game. I mean, obviously, when we lost the 88-game winning streak, that was that was not good. We lost the two games up in Oregon, that was not good. But when we lost the semis in double overtime, you know, that was we were. De- I mean, I was devastated. I mean, I mean, it was just so. Here I'm thinking, I went to UCLA. Now we lost Bill Walton and Jamal Wilkes. So for us to feel that pain that we went through in '74, and to come back in 1975. And win the championship without Bill Walton, without Jamal Wilkes. You know, here, here, that, that was a very uh, well publicized uh, uh, recruiting class. But they didn't talk about our recruiting. It was only Dave Myers, myself, and Andre McCarter. And here, all three of us played 40 minutes in the national championship game in '75. So I think we left our mark on that program, and that was just an unbelievable uh, thing for us to experience the pain of losing, come back and the elation of what we accomplished. And on a personal note, 
what better to do for an Indiana boy to beat Kentucky and guard <laughs> Jimmy and guard Jimmy Dan Connor, who was the Mister Basketball of Kentucky, and his backcourt make was the Mister Basketball of Indiana and Mike Flynn. It was just it was just very rewarding for me personally. And what did you think about playing Indiana in '74? Did you even think at all? Well, I didn't play. I didn't play in there. <laughs> You talk, you're talking about uh, uh, the 73 game, right? 70, 73, I guess, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 just, I just remember looking up when we came out to warm up. I remember in the stands they had a big sign, Turgovich, don't you wish you were a Hoosier? You know, that's, that's all I remember. That's all I remember. You know, I, I didn't get in the game. I, I was, uh, you know, again, I was buried on the bench myself the year after, you know, and, and rightfully so. Yeah. Coach, tell, tell us a little bit. I mean, is Bill Walton like he is on TV? You know, every, a lot of people ask me, you know, they want to hear about, you know, how goofy Bill Walton is. Okay? <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you, this is how I answer that question all the time. I never saw the four years that I was in college, well, actually the three years with Bill there, but I never saw him have a bad practice. Every day he came to work and he came to play. And think about that as a coach. If you've got the greatest player in college basketball, coming every day demanding excellence out of himself, you, as Pete Turgovich or anybody else on that team, you better bring it every day. And, uh, uh, again, you know, that, that was Bill uh, as far as I'm concerned. Bill, Bill came to play basketball. He came to work. He, and, he, and he had fun in it. I, you know, I hate to even use the word work. You know, he loved basketball, and, and he was really good. Coach, what, who did you meet while you guys, you know, you were at UCLA that you thought, Wow! If I would have been anywhere else, I wouldn't have met this person. Or, or you know, did you? Evidently, you got to probably meet a couple president or president with a couple of the national championships. No, they never did that back then. Okay. Never did that. I, I you know, uh, uh, I, I couldn't tell you somebody like that that I could say. Well, if I wasn't at UCLA, I wouldn't have met. You know, the only person I could say that about is. I wouldn't have met John Wooden, you know, as far as that's concerned. So you finished your career at UCLA. What was your next step or what was your thought process on what you were going to do once you got out of UCLA? Well, you know, again, uh, uh, I think I went to the wrong school as far as individual, uh, you, you know, for my individual game to get better. Because obviously everybody's goal was to make the NBA. And then I, I got I got drafted by the Detroit Pistons, and it was a good draft pick. It was I, I was in the third round. Don't forget, they only had uh, 12 teams in the league at that time. And so I, I was in the third round, but I was early on. The Pistons did not have a first-round draft pick, and I had played against the guy they drafted in front of me in college. So I, I felt very confident playing against, you know, trying to earn the spot. And then they had the ABA back then with the red, white, and blue basketball and all that. And San Diego uh, sales had, had drafted me. And they actually offered me more money, a guaranteed first year, and a little signing bonus, which uh, is not much compared to what they're doing now. So I, I, I went and I signed, and I remember asking my agent, I said, you know, I said, uh, they say that this league's in trouble, and they go, oh, no, no, first money, new owners, and all that. And I said, yeah, you know, and, and I signed with them, and then my, my franchise was the first one to fold, and then the, the league folded after that year. With, they only had so many teams that finished it out, and, then the next year, I the, the Detroit Pistons still had my rights, but don't forget, you had another group of kids coming out of college. You had a bunch of guys coming from the ABA trying to get jobs in the NBA, 
it was really, really difficult. And I made it to free agent camp. I made it through rookie camp, but I got cut during veterans camp. So uh, that kind of ended my career there. And, and when did, hey, you know what? I, I want to move back to Indiana or I want to coach. When did, when did that light bulb go off? Well, I always wanted to move back to Indiana. In fact, uh, I, I, I came back to Indiana, and my buddy Andre McCarter called me up and said, they got this new league starting out east, and it's called the AABA, and they want to know if you want to play with me. I said, sure, my, I'm not doing anything. So I was supposed to play in the Indianapolis franchise. Then I got back to Indiana, and I had a message waiting for me saying they wanted me to show up in Rochester, New York. So I took off the next day for Rochester, New York, and got to play in this league for a year, and I could tell, you know, I wasn't, uh, I, I, you know, uh, my heart wasn't into it uh, as much. But what it did do, I got for the first time to play organized basketball with Jim Bradley from East Carter Roosevelt. He was on our team. And I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, uh, I've said it, I, 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 don't, I think I was the first one to say it, that he was Magic Johnson before Magic Johnson was. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he's the most dominant player I've ever played with or against other than Bill Walton. I mean, he is that good. And what thrilled me was that I would do so much bragging about Jim Bradley at UCLA, about how good he was. And the guys at UCLA took me lightly because he went to Northern Illinois. They said, how good could he be? And I'm saying, you don't understand. Well, Andre McCarter was on my team in, in Rochester, so he was able to tell all the guys on the team, say, remember that guy, Jim Bradley, that, that Turkovich used to talk about? Hey, Pete was absolutely right. This guy's the real deal. They'll, they'll, they'll agree with me as far as other than Bill Wall, the most dominant player I've ever played with or against. So did, uh, so w- was it hard to give up your playing days? Uh, I was ready. I, I it, it was, it was like, uh, I was ready, but then it was like, now what do I do? You know, what, what, what I, I always identified myself as a basketball player. And now all of a sudden I wasn't a basketball player again. And so, you know, that's when I had to find a job and, had to start, you know, growing up and, you know, you know, you know, being more responsible. But I never thought about coaching until my son was born. And when my son, when he was, you know, four or five years old, I thought, actually he was five. I, I, I volunteered at a local NEI school. I, I was a volunteer coach. I wanted him to be in the gym to see if he had the same love and uh, enthusiasm for the game of basketball that I had. And I don't know if this did it, but it worked as a charm. Uh, my son, you know, he had that same passion. He he ate, drank, and slept basketball just like I did, and it was like me watching myself grow up again. You know, so I was very, very fortunate in that way. Uh, so how did you get back? How did you get to East Chicago Central? And tell us about your state championship coaching year. Well, you know, I jumped around from school to school. I, I, I should be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I've coached, I've coached at seven different schools. Maybe, well, I think you got to call this one twice uh, on, on, on six different levels, and, and I've never relocated. I live in the same house I've lived for the last 34 years, so no coaches ever do that, but I wasn't willing to take my family and move them all over because I wanted to follow a dream. So... When I got here at East Chicago, I wasn't coaching anymore, and the I was on the tennis. My daughter was a was a tennis player, and uh, she was in the juniors in the USTA, and I would take her all over in the summers. 
and I got a phone call. I never forget this. I got a phone call from the principal of the high school here, and it was um, uh, my ex-teammate, Darnell Adel. And he said, hey, uh, the uh, superintendent here, his name was John Flores. He said, he said uh, he wants uh, Miles out, and he wants you to coach the team. And I said to him, I said, well, I don't, I don't want to coach the team. And he goes, what? He says, I said, I don't, I'm not interested. And so um, uh, he, uh, I said, listen, my, this is like on a Tuesday. I said, listen, I'm looking at the, the, um, the, the lineup, you know, where, where my daughter was seated in the tournament, in the brackets. I said, if all works well, uh, I won't be coming home till Friday. If she pulls off an upset, I'll be, you know, back. So anyway, um, by the way, my daughter played uh, tennis at the University of Wisconsin, was uh uh, all Big Ten her senior year was, but was all academic Big Ten all all three years, and and uh, so she was a very good tennis player. So I came back in town on Friday and went to meet him in his office. I said, I don't want the job. I don't want to put up. I don't want to. I'm not interested. So every time he saw me, he said the the superintendent's killing me. He says he's asking me all the time. I turned the job down eight nine times. I said I don't want to work. So then finally one day, it's after about a couple weeks, maybe a month of school. Uh, the intercom goes off and Nadell says, uh, Flores is on his way down there. I'm just preparing you. He wants to talk to you about this job. So, uh, I met him outside my classroom and he said he just wanted to bring East Chicago back to where it used to be. You know, this is a basketball city and, uh, you went to UCLA, played for Coach Wood and he says, who, who would be better than you? You want to stay championship here? And I had a weak moment. I had a weak moment and I accepted the job. And, uh, uh, then, Coach two years won a won a uh, state championship. I I quit uh, after the state championship. So I can coach my son at a at a, at a small college in NAI school, and uh, I had three great years with him. I quit coaching then so I can go watch my daughter. She had three more years left of uh, college tennis, so I I was like the tennis dad. I, wherever <laughs> if I, they were if they were at Penn State, I was there with them. You know, and there's not a lot of parents. You know, follow the team like that. I, I went everywhere with her because I knew I'd never see her play again. You know, so I forgot about basketball and I I I, I was a tennis dad and uh, um, you know with my wife obviously and uh, then she finished up and I'm here and the job opened up and I thought to myself I'm 62 years old if I don't do it now when I'll never have another chance again so I decided to apply for the job and I got the job. Uh, how's the season going so far this year? Uh, pretty good. Uh, better than, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're moving, we're getting better all the time. Uh, uh, we're seven and four right now, but our schedule is, uh, considered the eighth toughest in the state right now. We've lost to the number one team in the state and we've beaten the team that was the number four team in the state who just lost to the number one team in the state by one point last night. So our loss, and we actually beat that team in overtime. Maryville, who's up here, is number two in the state. We lost to them in overtime, and so you know we've we've lost the team. We lost to one a team that's in the top. Uh, I think they're number six or number seven in the state of Illinois. Uh, we lost to them on Saturday, so we have lost to good teams, and uh, uh, we have had a tough schedule. So you know we're getting better. We're just preparing for the sectional. We got half our half our regular season is though over now, and we're just going to prepare for the uh, 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 sectional. Uh, how do you feel about the game of high school basketball that you coach today compared to the game of basketball that you won the state championship in years ago? Uh, it, it's, it's not, <laughs> in my opinion, it's not as good. 
I, I, I just don't see um, the skill level. You know, I mean, uh, we used to pass the ball more. The kids nowadays dribble it more than they did. And uh, I think we were, you know, better shooters overall uh, uh, when we played the game. Uh, I think it's it changed in that, that sense. Uh, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, everything's, you know, evolved and changed. And even, you know, like, you know, I think, think the attitudes of the kids are, are a little bit different, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's something that, you know, you have to deal with. And, and, uh, I, I don't think it's a good thing, but, uh, I, 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 I'm, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, to be honest with you. Um, what do you remember when you got the phone call and, um, uh, how does it feel to be a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? Well, you know, that's an interesting story. Um, uh, I was asked to be a member of the Hall of Fame for years, and I would turn it down. I would not send in my a reply, and I would not send in these forms that you're supposed to fill out. And uh, uh, then when we won the state championship in 2007, uh, um they approached me, uh, members of the Hall of Fame committee approached me and said, why won't you, you know, enter the Hall of Fame? And my answer was very simple. I said, you know, if Jim Bradley's not good enough for this Hall of Fame, I'm not good enough for this Hall of Fame. And I, I really felt that. And then they told me, they say, hey, we're in the process of getting Jim Bradley. Again, not only the Mr. Basketball situation with him was an injustice, but not putting him immediately into the Hall of Fame was an injustice. So uh, they said, if if we get Jim Bradley in the Hall of Fame, will you go? I said, absolutely. And they got Jim Bradley in the Hall of Fame one year, and then they called me up and said, okay, Bradley's in. You coming? I said, absolutely. So I was able to go down there and uh, uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame, not only as an individual, but also our team was inducted 40 years after. Every team that's uh, an undefeated state championship team 40 years after, it used to be 50, but then, you know, some of the coaches were passing away and everything. Right. So now it's 40 years. So I, and the same day that I was uh, inducted as, as a team member from East Chicago, Washington, I also went in as an individual. Do you stay in contact with uh, some of your former teammates at, at both uh, high school level and college level? Uh, I stay in contact with uh, uh, Andre McCarter and uh, a, a teammate named Bob Webb. Uh, out in Los Angeles. Uh, when I get out there, you know, then, you know, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with Richard Washington and, 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 uh, uh, Marcus Johnson. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I was, um, always stayed in touch with, well, with Dave, you know, Dave's gone now, but, uh, those, so I just stayed in touch with those guys. The high school team, um, uh, no, uh, I haven't stayed in touch with, anybody that you know unless i bump into them you know junior is is is, is done very well for himself and he's in the you know, louisville and i i know uh tim was a baseball coach over at um northwestern but they had a coaching change i don't know what he's doing right now but uh um uh ruben i haven't seen for a while and you know darnell when he was principal here i saw him all the time but now i haven't seen him for a while uh my roommate in high school when we were on the road, Paco Sanchez, passed away on New Year, on Christmas Eve this year. So, uh, you know, I had two of my um, basketball roommates, and, I, and Paco and I both played on the baseball team together. So, we 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 were the two that he he went to Our Lady of Guadalupe. I went to Holy Trinity. We were rivals in CYO, and then when we went to Washington, you know, all the other guys were from you know, the public school systems. And so we kind of bonded together because we had nobody but ourselves. So we became very close. So it's, 
not been a great year for you know my my roommates and teammates, you know. Coach, I know we're running a little late, but uh, uh, do you have your? Do you ever wear any of your hardware, or you have them in safety deposit boxes? I'm a safety deposit box. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do I do every once in a while. I, you know, I'll bring them out to show somebody. But no, I'm, I'm I I don't wear uh, uh, any of the state championship rings. Coach Pete uh, Turkovich, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program. Uh, I think people are going to really enjoy uh, your memories of the game of basketball. And uh, I know you're a busy man. Good luck on the uh, rest of your season. And uh, I thank you so much. Uh, Billy, thanks for having me.